Hi, I'm Kimmy Robertson. Hey, Ben, this is David Duchovny. Twin Peaks is over 30 years old. There's so much more to learn about Twin Peaks. I, we recommend you pick up our book, Twin Peaks Unwrap the Book, to find out even more about the show that you love. We have tons of great stuff. We have over 100 interviews. We have commentary from the community. We have us. We have some great photos that have never been seen by most folks. I think if you're a diehard Twin Peaks fan, you're going to absolutely love this book, and you will definitely learn something new. So pick it up at bluerosemag.com. Thank you for your interest and for your enthusiasm and, and keeping Twin Peaks alive. Peaks Unwrapped. I'm your host, Ben Durant, and beside me is... Brian Kazaska. Hi, Brian. Uh, happy Twin Peaks Day. Oh, happy Twin Peaks <laughs> Month, because that's what we've been doing all month long here at Twin Peaks Unwrapped with 25 Years Later site. This is the last week. And this week, we've got Andrew and Cameron. All right, we're here with Andrew from 25 Years Later site. Hey, Andrew. Hey guys, how's it going? Great, good, good. it's going really good. So all month long, we've been uh, talking with your uh, your team about their Twin Peaks article, and you're now uh, got some stuff that you're putting out as well. Yeah, I actually have two articles coming out on the twenty fourth. Oh, nice! Actually on Twin Peaks Day. Nice. And one of them, I think, is on Firewalk with Me. Yeah, I'm looking back at Firewalk with Me, which. Uh, it is my favorite part of the Twin Peaks narrative still. I know everyone's kind of partial to whether it's the original series or the film or some people season three. And at heart, I think I'm still a firewalk with me guy. So I kind of jumped at this opportunity. And then my other article is looking at my favorite moments of Laura Palmer. Nice. nice. Firewalk with me is my favorite as well. I mean, I, I think that is my favorite part of the whole Twin Peaks thing. It, it, I almost feel weird saying it's my favorite because it's such a heavy film mm. but all things considered like it's hard to verbalize yeah. you know the, the emotion behind the Laura Palmer story the intrigue behind scenes like with Philip Jeffries and the FBI and the FBI offices in Philadelphia it really does have it all it has the mind bending aspects that we love. I kind of look at Firewalk with me as the ultimate blend of the original series in season 3. It's that yeah. moving point 
right? Where um, you get the raw emotion and you get the things that just absolutely blow your mind and make you want to theorize. You're absolutely right about that. It is the heavier one, but I do like that blend. Getting into Laura's life, I think that's what I really like to see because you go through season one and two not knowing much about her, only what other people are saying about her and actually seeing her life in front of you on screen and her performance, Shirley's performance. And all I also like all the background things that have happened with that film, mm-hmm. I think makes that film even more special. Now, are you covering any of the behind the scenes stuff? This is purely just about the narrative. It's it's pretty much about the narrative and then also how it ties into the larger narrative. You know, it, it's hard to wrap your brain around Firewalk With Me and The Return, especially with that ending with Firewalk With Me, because I think the ending is so good in Firewalk With Me. Yeah. It yeah. is. Um, it's, really, it's really had me questioning a lot of the things that I believe in, and I'm not a pure theory guy like a John Bernardi is. You know, theory is not my forte. I'm a little bit more into the characters and to the analysis and kind of looking at the emotion behind it, but it's seeing how Firewalk with me fits into the overall narrative after seeing season three was something that really interested me. A lot of people questioned what happened to the end of the Firewalk with me after what we saw in season three. And that's something that I wanted to explore. Yeah. I'm excited to read this because when we had John on, he gave us, he, his idea was like, flip it. Uh, Cooper is not the bad guy, but he's, He's doing something where Laura's like, leave me alone. Hmm. I'm mm-hmm. I'm dead. You know, you saved me in a way. I saved myself. But you keep coming back, and I want to escape you. You know, like, you, you think you're doing the right thing, but he's not. He's trying to change things, but it's not going to happen. And when he, brought, when he mentioned that, it was like, wow, I never looked at it that way. To see Cooper as, like, this person's like, I got to fix things. I got to fix things. But there's nothing there to fix. It's funny. I wrote an article six, seven months ago called Don't Take the Ring, Laura, where I really dove into the aspect of what did the ring mean? What did it mean to Laura? Why did she take it? What did it mean for what happened to her after she died? And how did Cooper play into that? And that, I think, was kind of my entry point into wanting to write another theory. Um, It's funny because John was kind of teasing me. He's like, you know, you're not a theory guy. He's like, but I can't wait to read this. (laughs) I had a blast doing it. Him and I, like, we... A lot of times we'll get to the same conclusion, but we have such different ways of getting there which makes our conversations really fun. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I do tend to agree with that overall analysis that Laura's ending wasn't invalidated. I still think that she had that ending. And Cooper definitely complicates things, but I don't think that it's out of any malicious intent. I think that it's definitely a, a lack of knowing yes. is probably the best way that I can put it. Totally agree. Yeah, yeah. So how is this article structured? This article, I really wanted to acknowledge the emotion behind it first. So that's kind of where I started, was just some of these moments that really, really tugged on the heartstrings. And Mm. I also acknowledged the fact that I had not seen Firewalk with me in a while. So I was kind of getting back into that world. There was a period in my life where I watched Firewalk with me more times than I care to admit. Uh Um, It was just one of those movies that was always on. And over the past few years, that just hasn't been the case, and it was kind of a cool break from it. But, for example, right before Laura dies, 
when Leland is running her and Rana to the train car, she screams, Daddy. And that was something I just, I didn't remember her screaming that. And it broke my heart. Just wow. the idea of this 17-year-old, 18-year-old girl screaming, Daddy, knowing what was about ready to happen. It was one of those moments where I actually had to pause the film and internalize that. And, you know, I've seen it a million times. I knew exactly what was going to happen. But Cheryl Lee screaming, Daddy, just floored me. So wow. a lot of this article is is dedicated to the emotion behind the film and just really taking time to appreciate what happened as well as getting into the narrative aspect that we spoke of earlier. It's funny you mentioned Daddy. The first thing I could think of it was uh, season two, Leland is being interrogated for the death of Jacques and it starts off with that you're in the tile and you're coming out of the tile and you realize it's the interrogation and you hear the daddy, mm-hmm. daddy. Yeah. And it's just like yeah. understanding that is like, could that be him hearing Laura calling out to him? It's weird because I don't remember her saying that. I know, I got to go back and see I that know, too. but so Andrew, a quick question though, not to stray off the subject. Oh. Have, have you seen Firewalk With Me in the theater? Or no, like, I've never seen it in the theater. You know what's weird? When Ben and myself, we saw it in the theater before the return. You know, I saw it twice at home, and Ben, I'm sure, seen it countless times. Countless times. <laughs> but in the theater, with the volume so loud, I we heard things, you know? Like, you could probably, with a good sound system at home, crank it up. Mm-hmm. But we heard things, and Ben was like, I never heard these things before. Yeah. And 25 years later, and I, and I, um, yeah, things I didn't realize was yeah. in the film. And, and, <laughs> and the ending, I still say this at the ending, it is definitely David Bowie's character, uh, Jeffrey's saying, um, Judy. Judy. And I'm like, I'm like, Ben, I never heard it that way. It's really Jeffrey's. Uh, later on, the movie had aired on TV, the subtitles, someone posted on Twitter. Sabrina said, no, it should not say it, it. It's not him saying it, but I don't care. I heard his voice say Judy. And, and it still makes perfect sense. He says he's gone to like he when he's when he's in the FBI office, he says, I went to one of their meetings above the convenience store. And you all you see is these people and you see a monkey, the mask and stuff like that. But you never see Jeffrey. So where is he then? You should watch Firewalk with me and crank it, you know, get it <laughs> or see it in the theater if you can. Because, yeah, it really, the audio opened up a layer of that movie. You're rewatching this. Are you seeing it with fresh eyes? Yeah, it, it was interesting. I have not watched Firewalk With Me since season three ended. So it, it really did kind of feel like fresh eyes. And that was a cool experience for me. It's a film that I felt like I could quote word for word. Mm-hmm. But just having gone through the experience of living through season three and then coming back to this film, it felt really fresh. And it was a cool experience. Wow. And so now, you guys want to hear an interesting Firewalk With Me story? Yes, yes, yes. Um, so I watched the film oh, two or three weeks ago in preparation for this article. And that night, as soon as, it, as soon as I got done, I immediately opened my laptop and I started writing maybe the first paragraph or two. And I had my ceiling fan on because I, I'm in the upstairs and it, it's kind of hot up there, but I need the downstairs to be warm for my sons. And my ceiling fan starts making this really awkward noise. Hmm. And I'm kind of like, okay, that's weird. And I'm writing about Firewalk with me, and the ceiling fan's making this noise. (laughs) And then all of a sudden, through the baby monitor, I hear my youngest son start talking in his sleep. And the ceiling fan got louder, completely scared the hell out of me, and I had to stop (laughs) working. Oh, my gosh. 
That's crazy. That is oh, creepy. So it's I, really creepy. I have not admitted that to anyone until now. Oh my god, that is really creepy. Hearing voices so, through a baby monitor of any kind yeah. is yes. creepy. It sounds those baby so monitors for the night after. Yeah, that. I would be too. Yeah. So those baby monitors sometimes pick up others like frequencies and they can kind of like you can hear other play like my when my kids were younger i had the baby monitor it's like what is this sound what's oh going on God. in my children's bedroom that's frightening <laughs> that is creepy i maybe it's a sign to like call it a night after that <laughs> see but now you guys have me wanting to like rent out a theater here in cincinnati just so i can watch for along with me in a the theater that would be awesome well you'll see it pop up here or there that firewalk me is playing somewhere yeah you know we, yeah when we went to it's an independent theater and it wasn't on film they actually were using the blu-ray, blu-ray. and stuff yeah. but it was it was amazing it was yes. so amazing uh right. to see yeah and you've got another article that that you're putting out on 25 years later site uh what's that yeah um so every sunday we do this feature called favorites and it's usually like a top five list or a top 10 list and it can really be about anything but i signed up for the favorites that will come out on the actual twin peaks day the 24th of february and i was like well i want to do my top five laura palmer moments uh-huh. um, it felt fitting and you know, it was really hard to choose because there are so many good ones even though like we alluded to earlier she's not in that much of season one and two so yeah. a lot of it was from fire walk with me but to pick my top five favorite laura moments was pretty fun that's awesome yeah, that's pretty cool. You could do some Maddie favorite Maddie <laughs> moments. Uh, that might have to be my next one. Top five Maddie moments. Of course, would have to be the cherry coke. Uh, yeah. So this whole month, twenty five years later, say is is really focused on Twin Peaks. How's that going? What can you share about that? It was probably around Thanksgiving I started because I, I try to plan out content and promotion a few months ahead of time. And around Thanksgiving, I was like, all right, what am I going to do for Twin Peaks Day this year? Hmm. Last year, we were pretty successful in terms of just putting out a lot of themed content and stuff like that. And I had a lot of people on social media talking and I was I knew that I had to top it. And, you know, the site has changed and grown so much in the past year. I mean, last year we were still predominantly Twin Peaks and dipping our toes in other things. And yeah. now we're a full-blown TV film site. So I said to myself, like, okay, well, I need a way to to really acknowledge where the, the site's roots and where we came from and the people that created the site, basically. Yeah. So the Twin Peaks month was born. I want to... And I want to do this every year. This is the first annual Twin Peaks month. Where <laughs> every February, it's going to get bigger and bigger. That's nice. awesome. That's so cool. Yeah. And so I think I think we have twenty six original articles coming out this February. Wow. Um, so that's a pretty massive undertaking. And then we're also revisiting a lot of older content. I mean, our vaults are huge. We're, it's like Prince kind of vaults. <laughs> We've got tons of stuff. So I, I sat down, and over the course of six, seven days, I picked out two articles to share every day, which was really hard because we had so much good stuff. And I wanted to make sure that we had theories represented and interviews represented and just general analysis and just picking out two a day for the month of February was really difficult. But um, I'm already focused on next year, and I've... 
Ben, I'll go ahead and tell our secrets. Ben and I talk all the time, and I'm <laughs> sharing some of my ideas with Ben. I'm excited. I love it. I love that you're always thinking these new things. It's like, oh, why do I have to wait a whole other year for this stuff? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, um, I'm already focused on next year, and I really want this to be a thing that everybody is a part of. You know, yeah, yeah. it might have started with 25 years later, but my goal is for Twin Peaks Month to be a, something that the entire community celebrates and that it's not just known as a 25 years later thing and with the big goal of being a lot of Twin Peaks fans have kind of moved on and you know they're not talking about Twin Peaks as much as they used to and the goal would be February is kind of that time where everybody comes back nice and like you know that. we're all talking and we're all celebrating and we're all hanging out online and you know whether it's podcasts like you guys do websites like ours you know everybody involved and then people can kind of go their own ways the rest of the year if they have other things they want to participate in or other fandoms they're active in but February everybody comes back to Twin Peaks that's my big goal I like that yeah it's great and I think you guys are already really good at being engaged with the community and I think you've done a great job of bringing in these new writers and people that I think have just been involved with Twin Peaks community already that now mm-hmm. you now have them as writers has been a it's been wonderful I, th- I think it's great yeah I mean, that aspect has really blown my mind just how many people have wanted to join us um, you know people whose work I admired long before I started 25 years later so that was very humbling and very flattering that people who uh, have established names and established bodies of work wanted to join us. That's awesome. That's so cool. That's really cool. Yeah. And, and now it's like, it's really like Christmas, right? You get all excited. January comes, you know, like I can't wait till February. I can't wait till <laughs> like Christmas every year. You get so yeah, excited for it. I know, it. right? You have Christmas in December and then only a few months later we get a Twin Peaks month. That'd I know. That's yeah. great. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm so glad you're, you're, you're putting out some of your older content this month as well because, I mean, I see a lot of your stuff, but every once in a while I might miss something and it's like, I look at it, it's like, oh, this was a few months ago and I missed it and I get to read it and, and it's it's always, you know, incredible work but that your writers put out. Thank you. Um, and you know, that is kind of the, the downside to us putting out so much stuff is that a lot of times work does get lost. So, breathing Visiting the older stuff is definitely imperative to what we do. And your webpage, I think, I know, you know, you're going to go through some changes soon, but the layout is fantastic. Um, I love the fact that I can search by someone I like that writes like John Bernardi or whoever, or I can just type in Twin Peaks. But I love how you have it all categorized and everything. I think the layout is wonderful. And I was saying to Lindsay and Laura, I think your page, because of the news, now we get the news from you, I kind of look at it, entertainment news. It's like the Entertainment Weekly. It's better than Entertainment <laughs> Weekly. Yep, that's what he says. He wants, you can quote it us. It's better than... Better than <laughs> Entertainment Weekly. I subscribe to Entertainment Weekly. As do I, yes. And we... Ben and myself, we've probably been readers of Entertainment Weekly since we're teenagers. Yes. The X-Files ep- issues. I, there was, yes, but there was even like, there was even an article on Wrapped in Plastic and Twin Peaks and I would rip it out and like, yeah. oh wow, Wrapped in Plastic magazine was featured yeah. and like, yeah, it's yeah. been going on for a long time. But for, I think, maybe we're getting older now and like, you go through Entertainment Weekly it's don't care, don't care, don't care, don't care. And then you find yep. a few yep. articles and a few things that are good. With, yeah. with 25 Years Later site, there's so much stuff that is- I care about. I care about. It's like, yeah, I do really love Legion, and I really do like uh, these movies that you guys are talking about, yeah. and it's it's good stuff. I, Thank you. I think it's because you're closer to interests are also, but also I, I think you guys have your your hand on the pulse of the internet when it comes to what's 
popular, what's good, and what's what's happening. Where I feel Entertainment Weekly is print media, where they wrote that last month, and it, we're yeah. just getting it, and we're kind of. And some of the stuff, it's like, yeah, yeah, it's just I don't care about some of the stuff, but like your, I think your webpage is like the uh, one stop shop, and you can when you guys go print in the future, you can you can put a quote from us better than Entertainment <laughs> Weekly. Well, that's definitely the coolest compliment we've ever got. So thank you for that. I guess the best way to explain 25 years later is that even though we write about a lot more than Twin Peaks, it's always through the vantage point of what would Twin Peaks fans be interested in? Mm, yes. You know, what other shows, what other films? And when you start to think about it, Twin Peaks fans are pretty diverse. Like there's horror films, for example. There's a lot of Twin Peaks fans that love horror films, so that's yeah. felt like a natural progression. But then Twin Peaks fans also love shows that would be considered golden age of television. Yeah. So that was a natural progression. So the next thing you know, we're writing about all this different stuff, but it's all within the wheelhouse of things that, people like us enjoy yeah definitely yeah i hope you guys will cover uh the twilight zone the new twilight zone on uh cbs access because i saw the trailer I saw the tra- i'm intrigued by it i'm, I'm yeah. really excited april 1st who knows we will um we do have a writer assigned to it we we try to look at new shows that are coming out for the whole year and map out like hey what show do you want to take so, for example, like I, I can't recall off the top of my head who's claimed that show, but The Watchmen on HBO wow. this year. That's very excited for that. <laughs> oh, John Bernardi's doing The Watchmen. That is so. John and I, and actually, we have a few other people that are interested. We've we've kind of formed our Watchmen team that's because awesome. we feel like that's going to be a show that we can really dive into. Yeah. Um, and there's no I, date I, for I that claim, yet, right? There's there's no. There's no actual. It's supposed to be this year. That's all we know. Yeah, it's this year. We're we're guessing summertime after Game of Thrones, but that's purely a guess. That Mm -hmm. makes sense. Yeah. Well, you have Westworld, so it's gonna be Game of Thrones, Westworld, and then it could. Yeah, unless Westworld's gonna be in the fall. Uh, Westworld is probably not gonna be until 2020. Oh wow! They're Uh, taking the year off. There's a, yeah, there's a pretty big gap there. My assumption is that after Game of Thrones is Watchmen, but mm. I could be completely wrong about that. No, sounds I mean, right. that sounds right, because they'll keep the, the hype train going. Right, and they can yeah. promote it during Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm very excited for the end of the Game of Thrones. I'm excited to see how it's going to end. Well, uh, Laura is actually going to be the one covering Game of Thrones for us this year. Oh, nice. That's very exciting. So, pretty excited about that. Um, are you guys watching True Detective? We we were just ta- we were we were talking about that Wait, later on. Uh, we, no, who are we talking with? That Lindsay or Laura? Or who, who? Probably Laura. It must Laura. be Laura. Yeah, Laura. we have not started yet. I'm intrigued, and like I just gotta find time when my wife will watch it with me. But yeah, I'm waiting we, for it to end. And I will I'll probably watch, watch it thing. soon. The problem is, is that there's just so much TV. But yeah. it, it's on my list of shows to watch. But what do you think of it so far? I love it. It's my favorite show currently on. Nice. That's good to hear. We were talking before. I mean, I think season one was just so good, and then season two was just okay. And I'm the only one that likes season Ben's two. Ben's the only one who likes it. I don't like it, it as much as season one, but I thought it was still good. And I, yeah. I still I'm don't know what there. happened. But <laughs> season three, I'm like, I think a lot of people were apprehensive to go into season three. A lot of my friends who, who loved one and hated two were just kind of like, I hope it's good, and I feel like because TV, there's just so much on and so much streaming at this point, I feel like 
not a lot of people are talking about True Detective as as they were about one. Right. But I feel like once the show ends and the word is good, I think a lot of people will watch it like myself. I'm going to wait and I'll just binge it in a weekend or a week or something. But. I've had a blast with it. Um, Laura and I are trading off writing about it each week, and it's been a lot of fun to theorize about. It, it's a return to form, so to speak, in, in terms of quality, but it's also its own story. It's not a blatant ripoff of season one, which That's I good. really appreciate. Yeah. That's great to hear. Now, is there anything you're watching or... Uh, that you're not covering that's something you're you're really into right now uh, besides true detective i'm really only watching children's show <laughs> <laughs> what's your favorite children's show oh man <laughs> i have lots a, of kids shows yes and when my kids are up i have a lot of there's a lot of kids shows as well and yeah <laughs> i i hear you oh um I mean, it, it's a pretty busy life running 25 years later. Yeah, um, yeah. I do watch True Detective on Sundays, typically write about it Monday nights so it can be published on Tuesday. And then I try to watch TV that is not exactly uh, mind-melting the rest of the week. Yeah. Just so I can kind of stay focused. But I do spend most of my evenings planning and looking up what's coming out and working with the writers and editors and all that fun behind the scenes stuff that is too boring to talk about. <laughs> what I do. You do have a new site launching soon, don't you? Yes. The tentative date is mid-March. Uh, we were shooting for the 23rd and it's really exciting just because of how much bigger it is. It's, uh, and I appreciate Brian's kind words earlier about our layout. Um, we're going to be hopefully taking all of those characteristics that you like and the organization that you like of the site and just making it bigger. It's giving us a lot more capabilities in terms of what we can do and kind of taking us to that next step forward. You know, um, I bought this little website space a few years ago thinking that it would just be me writing about Twin Peaks. And now there's 55 of us. Wow. And wow. we're doing five, six articles a day sometimes. Um, and so we needed to grow. We needed more space and we needed more capability. And, you know, we do want to be considered competition for the big guys you know you compared us to entertainment weekly like that's who i want to be in the same breath with a few years from now and it's a lofty goal but everything that we've ever done has been a lofty goal and dream big well, yeah yeah definitely. yeah yeah how exciting it's really you guys are i mean like i always say i'm so impressed that you guys always seem to change with the times like you guys are always almost reinventing yourself mm. and then like i really think it's kind of like the mtv model at least that's used to be mtv always believed in every few years they change themselves i don't know if they do that as much now but i'm impressed that you guys are always kind of going with the, the next the next thing yeah, evolving. Evolving, yeah. I tend to live in the future a little bit in terms of planning. Like, you know, I talked about how I'm already working on next year's Twin Peaks Day, and that's kind of my role with the site is to be the one that's thinking six months, a year from now, and what's the next big thing for us. And we have this cool setup now where in the beginning it was just me but doing everything, but now I have this amazing group of people that I'm working with. And, you know, you talked to Lindsay and you talked to Laura earlier, and there's a few other really, really key people that just uh, make my job easier, that they're taking care of a lot of the day-to-day -day stuff so I can work on the big picture. And I am so grateful for the team that I have. You know, they, they love this site as much as I do. 
and it allows us to constantly be reinventing ourselves and to constantly grow. I don't have to worry about a lot of the uh, in the moment kind of stuff because I know that Laura or Lindsay or Paul or JC or one of those guys is completely capable of taking care of those things and I can focus on my crazy dreams for a year from now for us. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Well, we can't wait to see what you do next. The dream team. Yeah. You guys, you got the dream team. <laughs> you really do. So, Andrew, can you share with us how can people go to your site and how can they follow you and your team? 25yearslatersite.com is our address. You can find us on Twitter at 25yearslatersite. I believe that's also the name of our Facebook page. And we have an Instagram account by the same name as well. Awesome. Nice, nice. Well, thank you, Andrew. Yes, thank you. So we are talking with Cameron Crane. He's got a new article out from uh, 25 Years Later site talking about John Renault was right, how Cooper brought the nightmare. Hi, Cameron. Hi, how are you guys doing? Good. Good. So, yeah, we've been talking – this whole past month has been Twin Peaks month, especially with uh, 25 Years Later site. And we've been talking to all the different writers. And so good we we get to talk to you at the end of the month here. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I've listened to, uh, you know, you guys talking to John and Laura and uh, Lindsay. So this is a great article. I love – I mean, there's definitely things that we've talked about on our show, and and you've, you've you found these links that I never thought of, and it's really an interesting article. Can you share with us how you came up with the, the idea to write this? Oh, yeah, thanks so much, first of all. I mean, um, I guess in terms of how it came about, it's mostly – you know, I've had a bunch of the ideas just kind of bouncing around forever. And, you know, <clears throat> did the uh, podcast with Mike when the show was on, Drink Full and Descend and everything. And uh, there we just kind of, I don't know, we tended to analyze things without really endorsing a view for the most part, I guess. Yeah. But uh, I've clearly been thinking about all of this stuff for a while. So really, I guess, with this article... Um, you know, the idea came about uh, 25 years later that we were going to have Twin Peaks Month, right, and mm-hmm. look for some new stuff to put out. And uh, so I kind of, I floated this idea, I just kind of floated the, the headline, first of all, this Jean Renault was right. And there was interest, so I said, okay, well, let me see if it writes. And as I wrote it, I really found, like, all this stuff I've been thinking about gelled in a certain way. And that was really cool, actually, to, to put it together. Yeah. And him being right is that uh, that Cooper brought the nightmare with him, that he brought this yeah. evil. <laughs> and you kind of... Yeah. Yeah. That's sort of the conceit of it, or, you know, I thought of that as sort of the hook of it. Before you came here, Twin Peak was a simple place. My brothers dealt up to the teenagers and the truck drivers. One night, Jack welcomed the businessman and the tourists. Quiet people lived. A quiet life. Then, a pretty girl died. And you arrive, and everything changed. My brother Bernardo shot and left to die in the, the woods. A grieving father smothered my remaining brother with the, the pillow. Kidnapping, dead. Suddenly, the, the quiet people they're quiet no more. Suddenly the the simple dream 
become the nightmare. So, if you die, maybe you will be the last to die. Maybe you brought the, the nightmare with you. And maybe the nightmare will die with you. It's not really about a genre now. I've been playing with this idea for a while that the way to read the whole ending and, and some other stuff is that that Cooper splintered time, basically. Mm. Right. So I've had that impression, you know, I've read some stuff, of course, going back to when the show ended that seemed a bit more optimistic, like Cooper was winning or something. And I always thought, no, this is not a happy ending. <laughs> I, I just, so um, I've been playing with that idea. And then, yeah, as I said, uh, a number of other things. And I found as I started writing, it really started coming together. So thanks for what you said. I'm, I'm pretty proud of the piece. I, I think it's good. I hope people read it. Yeah. And so you brought, you broke it down into sections and the, like the first section is there's only one Dale Cooper, which I think is interesting. Yeah. I mean, like I've gone back and forth and wondered that myself, but it's hard to think that that means he's a rapist and that means he's done some really bad yeah. things. And that's, yeah. that's always hard to our hero. It's hard to think of him as a bad guy. Yeah, I thought that might make some people hate me. <laughs> <laughs> but that's why I said up front, you know, like, I love Dale Cooper. Like, I presume that if you watch the show, you love Dale Cooper. So I, I agree, it is a hard thought. But, I mean, and the point is, it's not that there's no difference necessarily, you know. It's just that at the end of the day, I do argue that what we're dealing with are, like, aspects of Dale Cooper. It's not some strong... Uh, like metaphysical distinction, I guess is the point. Yeah. Remind me again about your podcast that you've done. So these are elements. Was some of these ideas come from when you were doing your podcast? Uh, a bit. It's weird, actually. I mean, um, yeah, Mike Wilson and I, we were doing Drinkful on Descent, or I guess technically we still are. <laughs> uh, we started um, recently, we started talking about surrealism because uh, of historical movement, art movement, philosophical movement, but. We've gone pretty slow, and life keeps getting in the way. So we have a few things on that that we need to pick up again sometime, hopefully soon. The Twin Peaks stuff is also up, yeah, and it's interesting to me. I've gone back a couple of times where, for whatever reason, I went and hit play on one of our old things again. And, um, yeah, I've been surprised that, at various points, I've been surprised that we were already talking about what we were talking about. You know, we were going episode by episode. yeah. So I think a lot of the thoughts that fed into this are there in one way or another. This just kind of puts them together, and it makes an argument, which I never really, you know, when we were doing the podcast, never really strongly argued for an interpretation of the show. There's an interesting part of the, your article, uh, if you want to uh, elaborate more for our audience, the Dale Cooper broke time and trapped Audrey between realities. The Audrey thing... Yeah. It's interesting you brought it up and you connect it with the uh, that that web page that the search for the zone, and I think Audrey's right. lack of presence and then what we got of her has really intrigued a lot of fans, and including us, who we counted the days Ooh. down until she showed up, yes. and then we were all perplexed and uh, yeah. had no idea. Why. Explain to everybody your theory about Audrey in this uh, well, Cooper breaking Yeah, time. I almost feel like this is a, almost a short, uh, a step short of a theory. Um, but 
I guess my basic thought, and what I put in the piece there is, that Audrey is, and what we see of her, represents her being basically like trapped between realities because basically because of what Cooper did is what I claim, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you think about the impact of Cooper on Audrey's life, I thought this makes sense, right? Not just what we see with him and Audrey in the original run, but you know now we know that uh, his doppelganger, Mister C, you know, is Richard's father and all of that, and I guess you know raped her when she was in the coma and all of that. So if then when Cooper is like going back to the past, as we see at the end, I mean, I guess there's a question about exactly how this works, but I guess the thing that got me thinking was how would it impact Audrey's life if Dale Cooper had never come to Twin Peaks? Massively. Yes? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I mean, other people less so. So it got me thinking that this is one way to read the Audrey stuff. And particularly the one the one line that sort of caught in my mind is when she asks Charlie, um, which one should I be? Oh. Which one should, would, would you be? It doesn't say what would you do. Which mm. one would you be? Interesting. And your next section is Bob was always with Cooper. And I love that you uh, mentioned about from season two where Cooper is whistling the same song as Leland, which I've always, after seeing the whole series of, through season two, I remember thinking that was kind of interesting that they were somehow connected and maybe they are connected mm. through, through Bob. Yeah, actually, that's something that I feel like I didn't fully consciously notice until relatively recently. By which I mean, like, it may have been when um, The Return was airing and I was rewatching the original show that it really stuck out to me, you know? And I mean, I guess you could maybe contend that he's not whistling the same song, but he's whistling something and it sounds to me like it's the same song. So you're on board with that? I would say definitely. I mean, I would say 25 years ago I thought that. So, I mean, I definitely think 100% 100 I think he is whistling the same song. I I mean, coincidence, originally I thought it was just... Coincidence, but then after seeing it by the end of the series of, of season two, it seemed to be definitely that a link. Yeah, I think when we watched, I watched the show for the first time, I caught on that, yeah. and I think I know we Dale said he was a strong sender. Sender, <laughs> so he might yeah. be a strong receiver, receiver too, as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, you're right. I think maybe I used to read it more along those lines, like he was just picking up on something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I guess that's what I mean. It, I think the, it started to strike me in the way that I put it here, more as I was rewatching when I was watching Return. I guess that's what I mean. I was, wow, this is maybe showing that there's some kind of connection between Dale Cooper and Bob, and in some sense maybe there always was or something yeah. like that. You know. And I still think about the you know the idea is Bob just the evil that men do and stuff. Like, is it this kind of energy of just evilness that you know that it was is within people that you know they're just bad people sometimes I don't yeah know. yeah yeah i mean it seems clear to me that at least within the narrative of the show it's more than that i mean yeah. or I, I i kind of think bob does represent that but also here we're getting a story where it is embodied in a character that really does seem to have its own hmm. you know being or something yeah. like that but I've always thought that doesn't let Leland off the hook, you know? Uh, yeah. So here I'm also saying I don't think it lets Dale off the hook. Wow, our our good Cooper is a rapist. And it's hard to swallow that, but then you see 
episode 18 and he's in bed with uh, Diane and she's trying to cover his face and you that's a very awkward sex scene and I kind of think yeah I always feel like she she's not comfortable being with him because he raped her or something mm, yeah I really still don't know what to do with that scene <laughs> yeah like yeah. I shrug and think, like, maybe sex magic? I, I, I don't really know. Yeah, um, I go with that. It's like, yes, I'm glad you brought sex magic up, because I agree with <laughs> it. Because it goes back to, uh, right, it goes back Mark to Frost some, Mark Frost's book. I'll buy that for a dollar. <laughs> but I mean, yes, okay, but still then, I don't quite know what to say. I think the sex magic is supposed to do. So yes. like, I don't feel like I've gotten very far. But, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I wanted to believe yeah, that I mean, that is a portal. Like, uh, it opened up a portal because when when Cooper does get up, he's no longer in the same place. So he's I Richard. Want, he's he, well, he's Richard. I still want to believe he's Cooper, but he, but because he doesn't know, he doesn't understand the he doesn't understand the letter. Like he's like, who's who are these people that she's saying or Linda and Richard? Right. So, yeah. so I, but he comes out. So to me, it's it's a portal. Maybe he's actually in another place now. Yeah. And that but if that, if that was the goal of the sex magic, then why is he so befuddled? I don't know. That, that, that That's true. Right. You know, it's sort of like um, become when he is Dougie, when Dougie is trying to figure out who he is, it's another layer maybe. Um, it goes back to another theory, you know, from 25 years later, but uh, maybe John Bernard's uh, article, but like a layered cake. So... You had this whole Cooper life that he tried to, you know, all these things woke him up and he finally figured it out and he woke up. But now he's in another layer of another world of another person. So now he's he's confuddled because he doesn't know he's Richard, but he is. Yeah. And he doesn't know what year it is. He doesn't know why, how come Laura is now Carrie Page? Right. How yeah. come Judy, which is this weird we don't know what judy is all of a sudden judy's a diner and twin peaks does not look like the twin peaks now it looks like or the, the old, diner everything right? everything looks yeah. different um so yeah i don't know i know we're going yeah. we're going on a tangent but that's what twin I, peaks I, is good I, for I tangent and all uh, i also want to bring up is that i still want to know where that black and white uh scene with with the giant and cooper fit into this whole thing where he's sitting hmm. down and he's like okay richard and linda the numbers and, and and Cooper's like, yeah, I understand, I get it, and it's like I I want to believe it. It really happens between him in the coma and waking up in the hospital, but then like, why doesn't he understand the note that uh, to Richard and Linda? Like, what if that scene of him yeah. sitting in black and white has no time? We know the the lodge has no relevance in time or space, so if him just sitting there and the record is going. He maybe he's just getting this information, and things are playing out in these other worlds, and he's just absorbing it, and then all of a sudden he just knows and he can leave. Yeah, I don't know. I, don't I feel know. like black and white world is a non, non time, descript world. Yeah, I don't, know. I don't know about that. I mean, some of the things we're talking about, it, it is maybe a bit of a tangent, but I do hit on some of these things in the piece where we started. So, we have something to say. I mean. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, first of all, I, I hit on it. I don't, I don't really, I think, go into this, but that scene you're talking about, um, Cooper says, I understand, and uh, the giant or fireman replies, you are far away, hmm. uh, which I moved to interpret as meaning you're far away from understanding. Oh. Like, you're, you're not enlightened or whatever. Um, 
and I do also, uh, I hit on the Richard thing, right? There's this idea that it's um, about like the creation of Tulpa's kind of slicing a bit of you off. So the next part, uh, don't take the ring, Laura, which is always something always, everybody's like, the ring, what, the ring will help? We don't know about the ring. Explain your uh, thought about this piece of the article. I mean, that's just something I started puzzling about, particularly after um, season three or the return, as I continue to call it. From what we see of the ring there, and in particular, I guess the puzzle is, um, for me, what's going on and what the relationship is between Cooper and Philip Girard. Because in uh, the return, it seems like they're working together, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, And... If you go back to Firewalk with me, you have the scene where Cooper you know, says, don't take the ring, Laura. Philip Gerard is the one who throws in the ring. Right. So what was going on there was something that I guess I was trying to grapple with in that section. I, I thought I really had to kind of deal with that. And I ended up with this attempt, at least, about it having to do with the sort of power dynamic between Philip Gerard and Bob and Cooper, I guess. Um, which ultimately, again, I'm kind of, sorry, everyone, I'm kind of putting Cooper on the wrong side of things. <laughs> right? Like, I've long had the view, and I know others have, it's been out there for the past 25 years, more than that, now, right? Mm. That um, given how Laura says something about how Bob wants to either be her or kill her, yeah. and Leland screams out, don't make me do this, Right, right after she puts on the ring in the train car. I basically long thought that putting on the ring was basically making him kill her as opposed to Bob potentially being able to take her over. Right, it's true. Mm -hmm. Yeah, or at least it's it's been a widely held thing, right? So I still have that in my mind. And then I guess how I'm reading what's going on with Cooper is that he wants to save her as if he can save her from the death itself, right? Um, and she's still trapped in the lodge, but I basically am thinking that because of what Cooper did, as we see in, um, I guess it's in the end of part 17 originally, right? When he goes back in time, I basically think he's depriving her of that fire walk with me ending with the angels. Yeah. Yeah. And I yeah. think that's her best ending. Yes, yes, that's something we've said here too. And regarding Gerard, uh, I've always been puzzled with season three that he's always been called Gerard. There is n- no mention of Mike, and you think that it's Mike. Th- I mean, I guess they could just be one and the same, and you kind of bring that up in your article that they're kind of one and the same. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of like in the in the rec- in season one or season two, Gerard was the human, yeah, and then Mike was the uh, spirit, and it's it's just funny that I would have just assumed it would have been Mike in season three so it's i've always been puzzled Um, by that that yeah i recall the first time i noticed that he was credited as philip gerard in the in in the credits there's like a kind of a lot of nice nuggets in those credits they released like the first four parts and i had to wait two weeks so i watched them like several times and one of those times i noticed like oh that's something to think about yeah but i don't think he was ever credited as mike in the in the you know, title card. Ah. He was credited as the one-armed man, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, I noticed that weirdly in Firewalk With Me, he's credited as Philip Gerard, but with only one L. Oh. 
if you want to, if you want to make hay in that in world, feel free. But all the other times, it's with two L's. And I mean, I guess to the force of the question, I don't know. I never thought that it was quite the same with uh, the Gerard Mike question, you know, because even back then he says uh, he was Mike. But not, it never quite felt to me like this was a possession thing, like it was with Bob and Leland. Because he looks the same in the lodge and outside of the lodge. Yeah. But I think he says he's a ho- there's a host and a parasite and all yeah, that. But you're yeah, right. Yeah. It, it isn't, to me, it's not quite the same. So he's, I don't know. I'd have to go back to that scene. Yeah. What I, all I recall is he calls Bob his familiar. Yes. Right? Like, right. he's the warlock and Bob's like his cat. <laughs> right? So, yeah. I mean, and then the whole bit about the arm, the he cut the guy. arm off, and then in the, the lodge, we see the arm, which mm. I guess what, maybe it was Firewalk with me that yeah, did that. Yeah, I, I am the arm, yeah. 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 I am the arm. Uh, so, part of me wants to say that there's that one scene, Rosanna Firewalk with me, where Michael J. Anderson puts his hand on Al Strobel's shoulder. Yeah. Where the arm's missing. And they say, Bob, I want all my Garmin Bozia. Barney thinks that's Mike. Yeah. <laughs> Both of them together. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's, yeah. I, I could see that. And I think I, I gestured at it in the article. I actually think that question of how do we interpret Philip Gerard is a really difficult one. So I hit on it in here and I just moved on, I guess, because I think that could be a piece all its own. It definitely. Sure. And your next section is uh, It's Freddy's Destiny. And I think, yeah. I think there's, I think we have mixed feelings. I think in the, about in the Freddy? community about Freddie. Yeah. I mean, like maybe I know I do that. Like, why didn't Cooper? Why didn't Cooper get to witness uh, Mr. C and then have a confrontation? He's already dead, or he's already gone by the time he gets there. And then it's Cooper that doesn't stop Bob. And I actually, or I always hoped that Laura would have stopped Bob. But it's it's Freddie with his green glove mm-hmm. that comes in and saves. It's the day. a weird thing. Mm-hmm. Well, it's Lucy who shoots the. Mr. C, there's no thing. I like that. I like Lucy. I like that a lot. I like yeah. that a lot. I think that's really, that's really, she stepped it up. I like that a lot. But, uh, and, and it redeemed for me the, the cell phone thing. Because when I first saw the cell phone thing, I thought that was tough. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. But, but it works. Yeah. I think it And sense. redeemed it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think when that cell phone scene came out, a lot of, I was perplexed going, this is not Lucy from the original series. She's not that dumb. Like, yeah, exactly. What did she like disappear for twenty five years and not know what technology is totally like? But at the same time, this has always been something they've thought about. Like I've said in the, in the missing pieces of Firewalk with Me, she has an intercom thing where she's calling uh, Harry and and Andy, I and then know. they come upstairs and she's shocked. But that, cell phones have been around for ten years. I know, but she can't even handle the intercom. She can't even I understand know. that. I still think oh, it was weird. Ten years is not enough. The cell phones have been around before. I mean, 20 yeah. years. 20 yeah. years, yeah. That's right. But I'm just saying, like, yeah, it was just like an odd thing. It was. It reminded me when X-Files came back and Mulder was kind of weird about smartphones. And I'm like, what? Yeah. This is, no. You guys are right. acting like you just discovered technology. <laughs> this is not normal. Oh. <laughs> this is bad writing. Oh. But, yeah. There's a lot of bad writing in the new X-Files. There yeah, was. there was. Yeah. There was some really good writing, though, I will say. The one, the one episode about the lost art of forehead sweat. I think that redeemed the whole thing for me. Which one is that one? I don't know. I like that the Bernstein Bears one. Yeah, that was a good one. The Bernstein Bears. The Mandela effect one. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, awesome. Yeah. That was great. Yeah, yeah had, I thought that was great. 
Yeah, they they did have some shining moments. It was you know, but yeah, it, the Lucy thing. It did that ending. Did uh, I think we're all with you on that one? It did. It redeem her. <laughs> yeah, I thought it redeemed the the whole idea, right? Because at that point, when she's like, "I understand cell phones now," I'm like, "Yay, Lucy!" Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what do you think the point of 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 Freddie's part in this? Well, I, I mean, I guess part of what I thought was interesting is the the clear decision to have it be not Cooper, right? It's not we don't directly get there a confrontation between the two Coopers, which yeah. I and I imagine almost everyone else thought was where we were going. Right. You know, uh, instead, by the time um, Cooper gets there, the other Cooper has been shot already. And uh, and I like, too, I mean, in, in, in terms of going back to my uh, there's only one Dale Cooper thing. Yeah. Um, you know, you get the line there where Hawk, Hawk, who seems tuned into shit, says, but that is Cooper, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. So I like that too. But um, as far as Freddy goes, I don't know. I always enjoyed the scene. Personally, it, it gets a bit ridiculous. But the other thing that I was hitting on in that section is uh, when Freddy's talking to uh, James, he tells him the story about the fireman, right? Yes. We don't see that. We see Andy interact, so we might think that it was the same sort of thing going on with Freddy. Potentially, right. yeah, right, yeah, yeah. or I don't know, maybe not. It, like it could well have been someone else saying that they were the fireman. I don't know. Yeah, um, and I think I, I said yes. It could have been Gerard. It could have been that maybe Cooper himself. Uh, uh, right. Cooper does recognize Freddie somehow. We don't have any further information as to how he can say, well, "You're Freddie." And I guess it goes back to how like uh, Jeffries calls Mister C on the phone. Is that really Jeffries? Or is it something? Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, we have people who are maybe pretending to be other people. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, it's a similar ambiguity. And I guess the other the other big reason for that section is that I suggest in there that we don't see Bob being destroyed. We see Bob being, like, shattered and dispersed. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. Yeah. And maybe he can't die. I mean, is there... Evil can't die, yeah. Yeah, right? And how do you... Uh... How do you think he somehow destroyed evil? Now, <laughs> now he's just had dispersed shards of evil all over the place, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. So it is interesting to think about that if Mr. C and Cooper are one and the same, maybe they can't fight each other because they are, right? Like, I think that's what you're saying is that they, they, they're really one person. So yeah. how could they really fight Yeah, each other? like they can't be in the same place at the same time or something almost? <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if that fully goes through. But maybe, well, maybe, maybe. Well, kind of with the whole at the beginning. Supposedly, uh, Cooper wasn't able to leave the lodge until Mister C returned. Yeah, I think Mister mm-hmm. C would have had total control over him if they had seen each other. I think Mister C could have easily put him back in the lodge because yeah, he wasn't supposed to come out. There was these rules in place, so I think technically, yeah, I don't think maybe they were never they were not supposed to be together because I think that would have been the end game for. Uh, uh, Cooper there. That would have been done deal. I mean, it could, it could go the other way, like, I guess. Yeah. I mean, True. maybe that's why Freddy right. was created to to make this this middle person to do the dirty work. Yeah. Well, but again, Freddy, Freddy apparently was to fight Bob. Lucy shot Doppel Cooper, Mr. C. Yeah. Good point. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and then Lucy's put in place by Andy, 
which was put in place by the firemen. Right. So, I mean, all these people, yeah, seen, yeah. they were all put in place like chess, like playing a big game of chess. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. I should have said, uh, or I meant to say at least at some point here, so I'll do it now. You know, even uh, with this Jean Renault piece, uh, I hope people read it, and I'm, I'm pretty proud of what I put together here. And even for me, I, I don't think of this as even my definitive ultimate read of Twin Peaks. I don't know if I'll ever really have one of those, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. It's more of a, it's almost more of an exercise for me to try to put together this thing and um, for it to be coherent. And this is where I'm at right now. But certainly there are other ways to read this. And I think part of what's so exciting and part of why so many of us remain so into Twin Peaks for years and years and years. Yeah. It is how it's readable in various ways, right? Definitely. Yeah. I mean, your article is awesome. I mean, I recommend to everybody to go read it. I mean, what you've done is I'm I'm jealous of everybody who can do this because it's something I can't do. (laughs) And, like, um, I think you put it down uh, uh, beautifully. Like, it's coherent. I love their sections. I love... The way it's uh, structured, I, I feel like nobody really has a definitive answer to anything for anything Lynch, especially Lynch. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I think it's great when you when you and everybody else, twenty five years later, uh, put these articles together because it gets the Twin Peaks uh, brain cells moving, and sometimes it makes others think of think of it in a different way, which is always good. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a lot of the fun. And so thanks for what you say again. And yeah, I mean, you mentioned, I mean, the attempt at a, something like a comprehensive theory, what John Bernardi put out last month, which you guys talked about on here. Yeah. You know, that that's really interesting, and he's clearly attempting that, you know. But yeah, I, I read that, and I think, well, this is really interesting. This is really interesting, really interesting to think about, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I'm going to keep thinking in other ways. You know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. what's so cool is how we can do that. Totally. Yeah, I think that it was great. great about Twin Peaks is that you, you think you have, you think you understand it one way. And then five years later, 10 years later, 25 years later, you say, wow, I look at this a whole different way. And yeah. I think that's the, the fun of the show. You can just start somewhere else as it were, and then end up somewhere entirely different. Yeah. 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 Great job with the article. Well, Cameron, thank you so much for your time. And and a wonderful article. I really recommend everybody go to 25 Years Later site and check out your article. And uh, where can they find you on uh, social media? So I'm on Twitter. It's at Cameron CC. My name's spelled weird, though. So it's at C A E M E R O N C C. That's me on uh, Twitter. And I hope you put out another uh, uh, episode of Drinkful and Descent. Yeah, thanks. Uh, we've been, uh, as I said, it's just been a matter of coordinating our schedules and all the other stuff we have going on. And, uh, oh, Mike made a film. I'll plug Mike's film briefly, if you don't mind. Yeah, sure. Um, a short film that just uh, he finished recently. It's called Lamentations. Uh, and he put it up. I think it's on Vimeo and YouTube. So that would be Mike Wilson. Lamentations seems straightforward enough. I thought it was really cool when when I watched it, honestly. Nice. So hopefully awesome. that um, works out. I know he's been um, talking about sending it to some uh, festivals and stuff like that. It's only I don't know. That'd be great. Seven, eight minutes long, something like that. Nice. But it's pretty good. Yeah, awesome. pretty good. Cool, cool. Well, thank you so much, Cameron. Yeah, and thank I, you. I hope we have you on again sometime. 
Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, guys. It's been nice talking to you. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Cameron, for being on this week's show. To round out our Twin Peaks month here in 25 Years Later site and Twin Peaks Unwrapped, our our little uh, joint venture we had this month. A little partnership. Yeah. And next year, we'll do the same thing. And it was so great. We kind of started it early with John Bernardi on. But John actually, you say that, but we actually started the first week with John. So, I mean. I know, because of the, I, I the mean, overlapping behind months. The, yeah, behind yeah. the scenes, we recorded with John earlier, but he actually ended up being the first week of February. Yeah. So it was so great. It all, yeah. it all worked out. It was yeah. uh, a fantastic month. I think what they did is fantastic. I love how they're so inclusive of getting the community involved. And we hope to be part of this again next year. And I had a great time. And I think it was a great way for us to get back into the mindset of Twin Peaks because we took such a long break from it. Which right. felt like because of vacation and the holiday. Right. I mean, on the air. I mean, for everybody yeah. else, it seemed like months of on the air. And for us, we were on vacation. So, yeah, it was great to come back to this. Yeah, definitely. We got a lot of interesting things happening behind the scenes. Some interesting shows that are be coming up in March. You might not hear us every week. Yeah, we might start. We might start going bi-weekly. I mean, yeah. We, yeah, we'll see. We might. We might just slow down a little bit. That doesn't mean we're not interested in Twin Peaks. We just got other things we're doing. But yeah, uh, so don't unscribe to us. <laughs> keep keep the enthusiasm alive. We're st- we're gonna put a show out at least every two weeks. Yes, at least. At so least. you'll hear from us every two weeks. Um, and if you get a little bit more of us, that's a bonus. 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 So we love the comments. We love the questions. We love the theories. You can send all those to us at TwinPeaksUnwrapped.gmail.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Give us a five-star review. We've kind of slowed down on the reviews on iTunes. It would be great if we got a little bit more on there. It means a lot. It really does because that's how people find us. That's how people can uh, listen to our podcast by yeah. you know, seeing what those other are... people think about it. So review us. Give us those five stars, please. Yes, please. And thank you. We're on Google Play. We're on Spotify. Actually, the numbers on Spotify have been going up, which I'm very impressed That's by. Exciting. Very exciting. So when you're on your Xbox or PlayStation, you're, you're kicking butt in a video game, you can put us on in the background on Spotify. Um, and Spotify is getting into the podcast game. I mentioned this before, but they have acquired a podcast platform that I don't think was very well known, but they're bringing that in. And I think... We get to be on the ground floor. There's not, a lot of, there's not a lot of podcasts on Spotify right, right now. I mean, like a handful. Yes. But they don't have it separate like iTunes. Where iTunes, you know podcasts and music. And I think Spotify is really going to be a big competitor when it comes to that ear space, I guess they will call yeah, it. Yeah, exciting uh, times. It's very exciting. And I'm glad we get to be part of th- that with Spotify. We're in Stitcher. All your favorite podcast players, we're there. You can find us. Subscribe to us. Um, YouTube, we hit over a thousand subscriptions, right? Hey, thank you, YouTube. Yeah, very awesome. Um, subscribe and hit the little bell and, um, our shows go up there automatically when they drop, um, which is really cool. With all that being said, like us on the old Facebook. I got Facebook going. We're always on fire. I'm putting the memes up. People love the memes. Love the memes. I got to do that. I got to copy you. (laughs) I don't know what we're not in sync. You're, you're, you're doing this cool stuff, and I'm just laying back. Uh, I, I I'll be all honest. Like you know, I go. I, I I'm a lurker on the old Reddit. Yeah, uh, yeah Twin yeah. Peaks page. I do post 
now and again, but I'm a big lurker. Sometimes someone will post something really cool or I'll find something and I'll put it on Facebook. And I get to, sh- I'll share that love. Fun, um, fun, fun. Yeah, it's fun. And I think Facebook has gotten, um, it's interesting now. I, I think a lot of people are hanging out more and, um, Enjoying the Twin Peaks love on Facebook. Definitely, definitely. How is uh, Twitter going? Twitter's awesome. I, I mean, there's a great crowd of people there. And it, I actually really get a kick out of Kyle McLaughlin. Like, I mean, he still seems to show a lot of Twin Peaks love for the community. Yeah. I actually feel like he's done it more now now that the series is over. Or even, I don't know. He seems well, because he like, can talk about it. He can it. talk about it. So, he, yeah, he's great. And I mean, uh, and I love our community. And everybody's always bringing so much interesting stuff, whether it's artwork or just finds or, or theories. And it's, it's a cool place to hang. Nice. Nice. All right. Well, with that being said, um, we'll be back next week with. Maybe. So- <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> we'll be back next week with something special. So uh, keep your podcast players tuned in. See you next week.